In today's episode, we discuss the role of dads and why they tend to be less vocal in the autism community. Welcome to Embracing Autism, a podcast for parents of autistic children seeking advice and support while spreading awareness and acceptance of autism spectrum disorder. I'm Leah. And I'm Matt. And each week we will discuss our journey with autism and talk about how to embrace your child's individuality while providing guidance, tips, resources, and sharing our personal stories. This is Embracing Embracing Autism. Autism. Hey everyone, welcome back. Yeah, I feel like this episode puts me kind of in the spotlight. Good, finally. <laughs> I don't have to do all the talking. <laughs> well, no, that's what I noticed too, because I'm even just listening to our intro as we're leading up, because you have your pitch as far as like, this is embracing autism. And my part just chimes in just a little bit. And I'm like, I wonder if that's reflecting upon like other dads in the community as well. So maybe that's like representative. You're saying it's a metaphor. Maybe. I didn't really think about it until we listened to the intro and I was like, oh, maybe I am pretty quiet and don't really like, I don't know, jump out there in your face kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So let's turn the tables around. Okay. Let's let's <clears throat> jump out there. All right. So today we're talking about the role of dads in the autism community. And the reason that we picked this topic is because I actually know a little bit of the statistics of the people who are the listeners of this show. And unsurprisingly, the majority of my listeners are women. So that kind of sprung the idea to talk a little bit about dads and the role of fathers when it comes to autism and kind of chat about why that phenomenon may be. Like, why is it that it tends to be mothers that are more involved when it comes to an autism diagnosis? So I figured, Matt, you're probably the best person to talk to about this. (laughs) (laughs) So this is, of course, my opinion, and I can only answer for myself. The rest is just speculation. I would say that, okay, so of the listeners, the majority are women. I'm not sure what the breakdown is, but I'm also wondering if you think about like the type of like books that a woman would buy versus like a male. So if it's like a chicken soup for the soul, like you know, a self-help yeah, book, like, like improving your current situation. I feel like a woman, of course, is a generalization, not <laughs> necessarily the rule. <laughs> I feel like a woman would more likely purchase that book versus like her husband, for example, or like um, improving. What would be the title of the book if the husband bought it? grilling steaks and uh (laughs) staying quiet i guess or like (laughs) grilling steaks and staying quiet yeah oh that's hilarious i mean (laughs) my, my generalization as far as i think men the role that society has kind of placed on you a little bit is kind of the you don't really talk about your struggles you kind of keep pushing grit i mean you keep just plowing ahead we're gonna make it work like we got this like nothing's gonna like break us kind of thing so i mean you just kind of get the mentality of the train is going we're on the train we're not looking for assistance kind of on the path um so i think that's probably one of the reasons why most listeners or most of the people reaching out for resources would be the mothers this isn't saying that all guys aren't interested or involved i'm saying i think the majority if you're looking at how many are involved i would say the majority are probably female versus male So what do you mean by involved? So I would say as far as like reaching out, trying to find resources, trying to find opportunities for your children, because I would say in general, I think that men tend not to be as involved with the children as far as like raising them as like the mothers would be. Mostly because I think of just general stereotypes of the roles that society has placed on like moms and dads, the dad going to work, making sure bills are paid, that kind of thing. And the moms are more like nurturing, making sure that the children are like taken care of. That would kind of fall to them a little bit. I'm not saying that this is absolutely the cause in every situation. I'm just saying that that is kind of a like a stereotype in our society. We definitely fall along those role types just naturally because that's 
<laughs> that's who we are. That's what we like. But I have noticed behind the scenes in some of these mothers groups for, you know, mothers of autistic children, I've noticed a couple things. One is I've noticed there's a lot more groups for mothers of autistic children than there are fathers of autistic children. Sure. I feel like it's a lot harder to find those groups. And unless you know what you're looking for, you might not even find them which gives the impression that dads aren't really even involved at all, at least in the online community. So I am in two different dads groups. It's like autism dads groups, uh, not necessarily support autism dads, but more just like that as a commonality that we all have. And that's kind of what draws us to the community. So for one of them, it's kind of the more question answer. Okay, we're like newcomers. Like, what should I expect from our developmental pediatrician diagnosis? I'm kind of nervous. I'm not really sure what I should be feeling. And then the other is more of kind of a lighthearted group where it seems like it's more like veteran dads who have kind of been like around the block a couple of times and their kids are a little bit older. And I mean, they can answer questions, but it's more so finding interests that other kids have that mine would have, for example. So it's kind of interesting seeing some of the questions that kind of come up there and some of the struggles that the dads tend to address or raise. So like one of the main struggles that keeps coming up again and again is like relationship struggles. So I can't tell you how many countless posts there's been where it's been a dad where he's kind of caught off guard saying, my marriage is over. My wife has basically had it with me. And she's basically either like taking the kids or we're not sure how to like come back after this. And we're kind of at our like last wits end because that's kind of the end of the relationship. So, I mean, that is probably the biggest uh, hang up that I'm seeing in kind of the dad's community, just kind of the most common post out there. See, what I find interesting about that is in my experience from what I've observed in the women's groups is whenever the husband is mentioned, typically there's a lot of complaints in terms of his involvement in raising the child. So a lot of the times I see moms who are posting things like either he doesn't believe in the diagnosis, like he's not on board with this. He thinks that he's just like a bad kid. They don't believe the autism diagnosis. I basically feel like I have to fight every step of the way to get my kid their therapies. So I I see that. And then I also see like, if he does agree with the diagnosis, I see when moms are complaining about how I feel like I'm doing all the work. I have to bring him to all the appointments. I'm the one who has to deal with all the meltdowns. He's gone at work all day. And when he gets home, he can't understand why I'm so stressed out. He thinks that it's not a big deal because by the time he gets home, our kid is pretty much fine because I've already dealt with it, things like that. So it seems like from the perspective that I've seen it from the moms, it seems like there's definitely some sort of like frustration where it feels like the dad's aren't picking up their side of the deal. But have you noticed anything in terms of So yes and no. For the first item that you raised as far as the dads in denial that the child has or their child has autism, I'm seeing less of that mostly because the groups are geared towards dads of autistic children. So they've already, to join the group, they're basically already saying like, my child is autistic. So they're not necessarily fighting at that point. They're already kind of on the train and heading down south, if that. (laughs) (laughs) That makes it sound bad. Well, well, I was trying to think of a direction, heading north, heading east. I don't know what direction trains go. (laughs) But anyway, so um, they're already on board. There we go, on board. There we go. (laughs) So they're already on board at that point. So there's not really a lot of pushback. But I do see is the dad saying that there's other relatives outside of the immediate family that are not sure about the diagnosis because they use like our least favorite phrase, like, oh, uh, they don't look autistic. And it's like, well, Uh, (laughs) it still comes up. What does autism look like? (laughs) So, and I've even posted that in the group as like a question to like ask the the family that's in denial, but just, you should just ask them, please draw a picture of an (laughs) autism. (laughs) Identify the autism. So that, so I'm seeing less of that as for the I guess the balance of work, there's a 
a fair amount of frustration, I think, on the dad's part. But I feel like it's not necessarily at the expense of the child. I think it's more so with like the spouse, like as far as like there's a lack of communication going on between the two. So maybe they're not relaying the struggles that they're having. So maybe the the mom isn't listing off and saying like, oh my gosh, like today has been very difficult. I'm really struggling. I could like use like five minutes break. The dad might not be empathetic to her struggles. And that's kind of one of the disconnects. And then the other thing that you mentioned as far as the kind of the relationship is it seems like I'd say probably half of the dads that are posting that their marriage is over. It seems to have like completely caught them off guard. So it seems like either they're unaware or they're completely in denial of the current situation at hand. And I'm not really sure which it could be. Either way, it seems like there's a disconnect somewhere in the marriage or in the relationship. It seems like whatever the mom is experiencing, the dad is not aware of. And whatever the dad's experiencing, the mom is not aware of. So it seems like what these things tend to have in common is like a lack of communication and kind of like openness. But I will do a shout out because there are a handful of dads that are actually single fathers of autistic children who it's kind of the opposite that kind of the mom stepped away and they are the only one that the child has. So kind of a shout out to them. I mean, fantastic work. I don't think I would be able to fare as well. I mean, if, if we didn't have, if we didn't have Leah. I can't even step out for like two hours. I mean, I feel like if we didn't have Leah, there'd be um, kind of like a fire at the house. So, I mean, I, I total shout out to those dads. They're, I mean, absolute superheroes. But then again, I mean, obviously, I mean, I can't just say it one-sided because, I mean, many of the moms who are handling this alone, hats off to you. I mean, it's definitely a challenge being able to not only just attend the therapies, but also find out like, okay, how do you get your bills paid? How do you survive? How do you just manage everything? It's a challenge in itself. Hats off to you all. I mean, I think you're all doing awesome and just keep at it. I mean, I think one of the biggest struggles is childcare. So I definitely, I mean, I can't even handle that as is with both of us here present and we still need childcare. So I can't imagine as a single parent household, how difficult that must be. Right. Yeah, definitely a challenge. So what do you think in terms of the challenges that dads face? What do you think is like the biggest struggle when it comes to an autism diagnosis? I think, and I we've probably mentioned this earlier in probably episode one, I think it's basically the struggle with the realization that the fantasy of this child growing up may not be the reality of what is to come. So I, I've seen dads posting in the group where they're kind of struggling because they have a nonverbal son and they can say the only thing that they want to do is be able to like talk to their son and like hear their like son's voice. And and I get that. And I, I mean, I think that's where you have to kind of see what the situation is. Not all communication is verbal as we, I mean, touched on, I think probably last season or so, but it seems like the struggle would essentially be breaking their projection of what the interactions of with their child would have been and kind of trying to find a new reality that's taking place. Was that like for you the the hardest part you think or do you think it was a different experience for you than it is for like other dads? So for me, I mean, I mean obviously our kids are still young and our youngest was I mean nonverbal for a while and I mean still does she still fall into selective mutism? I don't really know what I'm she would sure. fall into. She falls into challenge she's, she's still with struggles, communication. Right? She still yeah. struggles with communication. We have to constantly prompt her. I think for me, I was trying to I guess, envision like in our childhood, I think because we ultimately wanted our children to go to a private school. And I think I had like the vision of like, oh, okay, like me coming home or like swinging by their school, picking them up after work and us going to do whatever. And I think I had like built up in my mind as far as like, oh, just kind of like the typical, what is it? The 2.5 kid household, <laughs> like, 
you know how they have like oh the like the perfect yeah. defense uh, nuclear family, family. yeah where it's yeah. like oh the 2.5 kids or whatever i think i had kind of built that up a little bit in my mind i mean and that's not to say like that's a lot that is still a possibility as far as like we can still have half a kid <laughs> <laughs> right that that part's a little harder um but no, as far as like, okay, like that realization isn't a big break for me. It's not a huge, okay, so I might not p- be picking them up from private school, like whoop-de-doo. Like, I mean, but I think for me, as far as, okay, will I have other opportunities that dads have? Will I have a like father-daughter dance at like a school or something? Will I be able to have like these cute little adorable little moments that I have like with my daughter where we're like just taking a walk just kind of along a road or like in (laughs) like the grass or something just like I don't know having a father-daughter moment and I wasn't sure if those would be disrupted just because of her not being able to understand kind of the social interactions that oh this is a meaningful conversation I'm having with my dad if she wouldn't have the same connection that I would and I mean that may or may not happen I mean at this point I think I'm okay I've had so many other great moments with like our girls. I wouldn't trade it for anything. After you start to have positive moments with your children, it doesn't really matter what these futuristic fantasy moments would be because in reality, you're going to have fantastic moments with your kids regardless of what they are. So like, okay, I might not be able to pick her up from private school, like be all, be all fancy, <laughs> but I mean, I can still go get like ice cream with her or something and we can laugh at ducks or something because she's obsessed with ducks, go to like a park and like watch like ducks or something in a pond. And I mean, we can still have very enjoyable moments. It's just shifting what the enjoyable component about those interactions with your children are. I think that's kind of like what frustrates me about the misconception of parents who have like these goals and dreams for their kid and feel like a sense of loss or disappointment. Because oftentimes what I hear is if you had those dreams and those goals and then you were disappointed or you felt sad because now your child's autistic and you probably can't do those things. It seems like there's like a group of people out there who kind of villainize you for that. And I feel like that's not fair because if you had these dreams that you like always had to spend this time with your child, like, for example, you were talking about taking her out to um, see ducks or something like that. It's not seeing the ducks that you wanted. You wanted the bonding time. You wanted to have that connection with your child. So when people think that you're saying like, oh, you're so you're so selfish. All you care about is that you wanted to do a father daughter dance with your child and you don't even care about your child. No, the whole point of the father daughter dance is to have a moment where you two can feel a connection and a bond and to have like a meaningful memory together. It's all about the connection. It's all about feeling in tune with your daughter. And I feel like that's what's often missed is people think that when people say that, when parents say that, that they're being narcissistic, but it's they completely miss the point in my opinion. Well, it, I mean, it's very, that's a, seeing it in that perspective is very like superficial, like skin deep as far as like, oh, you only care about being able to attend this one family event at school. It's like, no, no, no. It's the connect. I mean, obviously the connection, us realizing like, oh, wow, like we have like a strong connection. Like I love my daughter. She loves me. We're happy. That is kind of the the deeper root item that we're we're searching for. And I mean, I've, I mean, I, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm assuming it's the same. I mean, I've felt multiple connections to both of our kids. They're funny. They're, <laughs> they're quirky. I mean, they're, they are us. I, mean, I know they're like mini us. I mean, not saying that I praise her, but like, when like our they youngest, like, they when like they sass us, us yeah. Like, yeah, it's like at the same time I'm like trying not to laugh, but I'm like, okay, like go you, dude. Like, they've <laughs> learned the art of trolling, and they're only oh like, oh my gosh, it's going so, three on oh. and four years old, and they already know how to troll us. 
oh, I know it's so bad, but it's also hilarious at the same time. It is totally funny. I won't lie. <laughs> uh, so, um, but I mean, yeah, we've already had like those connections. I mean, sure, it might be different than another family, but at the same time, like I'm sure my parents' expectation of me was totally crushed. Like, <laughs> didn't my, they want you to be an accountant? <laughs> right, but like what I'm like I'm saying is like my brother is a dentist. Like I'm clearly not. So like our parents' expectations of us are totally different from where we actually end up. Look at your siblings, look at mine. I mean, my brother is a dentist and I am not. So, I mean, we have one doctor and one non-doctor. So, I mean, I didn't even end up where potentially they thought we were going. And I can't put the same requirement on my two and three-year-old as well. To kind of like circle back, I want to ask you specifically as a father, why do you think that dads in the autism community are less vocal online, in person, et cetera? And do you think that's a problem? Is Do you think that's something that anything can be done about or should even be done about? So I think there's a number of reasons why dads would be probably less vocal. One, I think, is the idea that some might not necessarily be terribly involved with like the therapies and such. They don't know to what extent they need assistance to be able to reach out and ask the questions because they are under, probably under the assumption that, okay, my wife, my girlfriend, whoever, the mother of our children has got it under control. She's taking care of the day-to-day and I'm basically just focused on work. So that could be one of the reasons why they're less vocal online because they don't even know the questions to ask unless they have the communication available with the mom where she's basically saying, I don't know what to do. In general, I think men tend to try and be fixers. So if a problem is presented, they're trying to figure out how to fix it. So I think if that is the situation, then they might try and reach out or find a way to try and fix it from there. But that's probably the last straw, essentially, until that is voiced or communicated over. So I think that's probably one of the reasons why they're less vocal online. I think the other reason is they might not want to advertise their family situation. So they might not want to draw any attention to themselves. They might might want to just kind of stay quiet in general, not reach out necessarily. Do you think that's because there's like some sort of like sense of shame associated with it? Or is it just like embarrassment? Or is it just like, like, why do you think dads would want to hide that? I'm not sure if it's just they aren't ready to have that conversation with family or friends or anyone online, and they might not want to cross the threshold at that time. But why, I guess, is my question. Because I'm wondering, like, I feel like with women, with mothers in general, like, we, when we get a diagnosis, we, when something happens in our lives, and this, again, generalization, but at least in my experience, women tend to want to seek out a support system. We want to talk to somebody. Like in our monthly support group, it's primarily women. Women t- tend to be the ones seeking out like somebody to talk to about those things. And so I feel like with men, I have not seen that happen as much, particularly in the autism community when it comes to these dads. So I'm wondering, is it just that there's no need. Men don't feel the need. Like, did you as a father, just when you learned the diagnosis of your child, did you not feel the need to have to talk to anyone about it? I guess as soon as we got the diagnosis, I didn't want to talk to anyone. Why? I think it was partially, I guess, shame because I didn't know much about autism. So partially, I guess if you hear, okay, your child has whatever diagnosis it is, you take it upon yourself that was it something that is wrong with me? Did I make, did, was something wrong with my genetic code that led to? There's a lot wrong with your genetic code. I just want <laughs> I to preface well, with that. <laughs> right, right, right. And I mean, I mean, sure, I have all sorts of like uh, struggles and such. 
it was something that I didn't want to advertise. I didn't seek out any conversations with people. I didn't even reach out to my family. If you recall, you were the one who was calling my family on our drive back after we uh, went to the developmental pediatrician. I didn't want to talk to anyone and I wanted just to kind of go through my life without, I guess. Do you feel like that's an experience that's typical for other dads. What I'm hearing, what I'm understanding is essentially that autism is a sticker shock to a lot of dads where it's like, what does this mean? Like, I don't know what to do with this. And I feel like that's the reaction that I've seen. I think so. I mean, as much as I hate to admit, I mean, the struggles that are internal mindset, I mean, it was kind of shutting down, closing off from the rest of the world. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to really acknowledge it. I remember you were watching a lot of YouTube videos and uh, reading a bunch. I was, I was a bit obsessive. <laughs> right, right. But but I mean, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to be involved. I didn't want to necessarily sit there. I didn't want to hear things that I didn't want to know. Why did that change? Because obviously now, I mean, you're on an autism podcast called Embracing Autism. So Right. So I think for me, it was realizing that it's not a death sentence. It's not my child is dying because of a diagnosis. They are who they are. I think it was hard because they were so young when they got the diagnosis and not talking at all. Obviously, it was more so for our oldest because um, for the youngest, we had already been around the block. We already knew what autism was, but it was our newborn, well, not newborn baby, <laughs> our <laughs> one-year-old. I, can, I, I still consider her, I mean, a newborn baby at that point, but our precious one-year-old baby being told that she has a diagnosis that I didn't fully understand what it was. She isn't able to talk. She isn't able to interact with us. She's in her own little world. And I just, I, I didn't know what to do. And I didn't want to reach out because I didn't want to find out what the answers were. I, I was just kind of stuck in kind of a void of darkness. And I just wanted to kind of go one day at a time, just making it out of the darkness. I do feel like that is an experience that both mothers and fathers experience, but I feel like women process it a little bit better just from what I've seen. And I, I only say that because I feel like women, like I mentioned before, they reach out to people. They tend to find girlfriends, networks. They post online, try to get answers, whereas the fathers tend to just kind of sit there and kind of stew in it. Well, okay, it's like I think about how men and women deal with problems. Women want to talk about them and get <laughs> get all the granular. Why are you smiling at me when you say that? <laughs> oh my gosh, the amount of conversations that we've struggled with. But, <laughs> Why are you rolling your eyes? <laughs> but as far as men, okay, you want to fix a problem. How do you fix a problem that you don't know anything about? How do you, how do you even start? You're kind of dumbfounded. You're just like stuck in this void where you're like, okay, what do I do now? And unless you kind of get out of the void and realize like, oh, okay, like things are normal. Like life is normal. I mean, sure. We have like the struggles with therapy and trying to like find date night, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what but, is date night? I, oh my gosh, there is no date. Night. <laughs> but I mean, other than that, I mean, if you're focus is basically to try and fix problems and you're in you're in a situation where you don't even know what the problem is to fix i mean you're not going to fly with passing colors you're just going to be stuck unless you figure something out or someone drags you out <laughs> I mean, sorry i'm just laughing because you said fly with passing colors is that another thing pass with flying colors <laughs> uh, there's the dyslexia coming out i knew it was something <laughs> no, but I totally understand what you're saying. I do feel like that's one of those things where men and women are a little bit different. 
Is there anything that you think can be done with with dads? Because I don't really see guys voluntarily doing these things that women are doing because it's not really instinctive for you guys. Right. So I think once they get out of the initial like shell shock where they're kind of in that void, I think there is a opportunity to kind of get into a, I mean, obviously a better place. I mean, I'm not depressed. I mean, I'm, I'm in a happy place now. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like in the dad's group I'm in, there's I think like a monthly or weekly meetup that some of the dads do that's very similar to the what you uh, do with the moms on a monthly basis. So, I mean, they, there are groups out there for dads. So I think it more so if there was some type of like mentor program where it's basically like like dads with like a, uh, receiving a brand new diagnosis are paired with other dads who are more veteran and kind of walking them through and kind of realizing like, hey, some days, some days it's going to suck. Some days it's going to be really rough and you just got to keep going. This is not a life sentence where you're going to constantly be in this void. Sure, some days are going to be dark, but you're going to get through and things are going to get better. I think if you had a mentor who's able to walk with you, I think that that would be kind of a beneficial option. <laughs> That's actually a really Good idea. Maybe we should do it. <laughs> Man, and that, that came on the fly. Look at that. <laughs> Genius. Maybe so. we should do that with Autism Wish. Oh, my gosh. I actually think that's a really good idea because I do feel like maybe having like a one-on-one connection, I feel like guys are kind of better with that in terms of being willing to open up and being willing to kind of express well, those thoughts. Because I, mean, I know that you have like the, the moms group where it's a lot of like moms. I feel like I would not enjoy, I mean, obviously I wouldn't enjoy it like being with a bunch of moms, but I wouldn't enjoy being with a <laughs> bunch of dads either where like, you're like kind of in like a group in my mind, everyone's talking. I would like something that's very like one-on-one. I feel like it's more intimate. You can basically just have a conversation with that other dad and basically figure out like autism together. That's kind of funny because it's the polar opposite I found with the women in my group because I even offered to do this like speed dating thing where it's like, it's not actual dating, obviously, but like get women that one-on-one time with each other in like these breakout session groups and no one was interested. So it's interesting Mm. that you say that because I feel like that just goes to show how dads and men think differently than us and have different preferences on how to process this information than we do. Right. So, I mean, I think that, I mean, we definitely shouldn't give up on the dads in the community. I think that we should be aware of them, but I feel like they need to come to terms with what they're struggling with before they can fully engage. Otherwise, I feel like you're trying to drag them to the table. They don't want to come. And therefore, if they're being dragged to the table, they're not going to be engaged at all. It wouldn't be beneficial to try and drag the people who don't want to be there there. So I want to end this with like a question for you, essentially. Obviously, you talked about how difficult it was initially when you found out about the diagnosis. And obviously, I know that you're very different about it now. And you've already processed all of that. And autism is part of our life now. We're proud about it. And my question is, what do you think worked for you that you think might potentially work for somebody else? If another dad was listening to this episode right now, and that dad basically was the version of you before, what would you tell him? What would you want him to know? I feel like I'm relatively quiet in our personal life. I feel like you probably do most of the talking. <laughs> it might be <laughs> I reflective. I was about to say, it's it might be the reflective podcast. on most of the podcasts with the exception <laughs> of this one. So I, I would say I, I tend to be quiet. I tend to sit back and kind of observe and listen or try to listen if I don't tune out. But what I'm saying is <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Um, <clears throat> I think I think what um, really got me to a better place was you getting to a better place because you had your struggles too with this kind of the unknown. Mm-hmm. I think as soon as you started being more like perked up and more like, oh, like 
everything's going to be okay. I think that kind of relieved me in a sense that like, okay, like if my wife is feeling okay about a situation, okay, maybe we are doing okay. So I think it's kind of a give and take. I think that I'm not sure if I was necessarily like mirroring your where you were at essentially. Like you're kind of like feeding off my energy. Right. But basically seeing like, okay, like we were both kind of at, at our lowest, but then you were kind of peaking up a little bit. And then I was kind of like, oh, okay, like things aren't as bad as they were yesterday. Okay, like what's what's going on here? And then they progressively got better and better as we went through the therapies and the rest is history. So I think initially I probably wouldn't have necessarily gotten on there on my own, or it would have taken much longer. I think it was a outside force, you kind of <laughs> Kind of, kind of navigating us a little bit to kind of where we were going. So, I mean, from my experience, that's kind of what kind of changed things a bit. Oh, how sweet. <laughs> <laughs> and now I just kind of sit back and just let you do the rest of the talking. <laughs> well, actually, I uh, think that's all the time we have for questions for today. Oh my gosh. So you can get off the spotlight. We'll never have to oh, do this again. <laughs> you can go hide wins. under your covers. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Oh, man. I hope you all appreciate that because oh Matt Matt is not the type of person who likes to be put on the spotlight. That's well, why I'll, I do all the talking. I'll see you next season. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, it's very eye-opening, though. I think it's important to get the opinions of dads. I think it's important for you to speak up and advocate for your child from the perspective of a father because we don't get to hear a lot of these insights. And what we hear from the dads directly impacts the moms, too, whether you're married, separated, co-parenting, whatever it may be, not knowing what the other person is feeling will impact you no matter what, because you won't know how to react. You don't know if how you're reacting is actually hurting or helping the other person. So I think this is like a good step in the right direction. And I hope that there are fathers that listen to this episode, because I think that that's like one of the first steps we got to do is just be willing to be vulnerable. And I think you did a great job, babe. Thanks. (laughs) It was a challenge, but we made it through. Go everyone who's listening. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. And I hope that, you know, Matt sharing a little bit on his side is helpful for the moms that are listening to give you some potential insight on maybe what the dads in your life may be thinking. And who knows, maybe get the courage to strike up a conversation with them and see how they're feeling about things. Yeah, I would definitely say I think communication is key. So, I mean, I'm I'm assuming moms are going to be the one that are listening to this episode anyway. Definitely find a way to engage in conversation. I think that that is definitely the critical component for making everything work. Yeah. So I hope you guys got something out of this and we will see you next time. All right. Thanks. Bye. In summary, we noted how fathers tend to be less vocal as they struggle to open up or confront their feelings surrounding the autism diagnosis. We also discussed how seeking out a mentor may help ease the transition for new-to-autism dads and provide a means to ease the initial anxiety. Though it's natural to be apprehensive about the unknown, we also know how seeking out this mentorship relationship may empower fathers to fully embrace autism and help their children thrive. Tune in next episode as we talk about all things potty training. We answer your questions to include, how do I know if my child is ready for potty training? What do I do if my child can't seem to grasp the concept? And how do I help my child if they're terrified of the bathroom? This is Embracing Autism.